Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do you aspire to be an entrepreneur, to build your own business, to leave a legacy behind? If you want to know how to get started or if you're already on your journey and want some help on how to tackle the challenges you're facing, this show is for you. Here at Be Your Own Boss, we hear from entrepreneurs about their stories, some very practical tips and some inspiration. It's time to get started. Welcome to Be Your Own Boss. They say creativity is something very intuitive um, or can it be learned? Can it be taught? Our guest today is Saira Ranch, the founder of Create It. Saira brings art to life. That's what she fundamentally believes in, bringing art to life. She teaches creativity. She's an artist. So, Saira, welcome to the show. So good to have you here. Thank you so much, Sachin. It's a pleasure to be here. For those of you uh, listening, Saira has this bright, beautiful smile. And I would like to call her the grown-up child. So this is this <laughs> the vibe is amazing, and you will feel that throughout the conversation. So, Saira, let's let's okay. get started uh, from the beginning. So, uh, right. can you tell us about your childhood, your parents, your siblings, and you know uh, what memories you have of your childhood? Sure, absolutely. Let's go back in time. <laughs> so my parents came in their mid-20s to Dubai. And we're talking about in the late 60s, early 70s. So mom and dad at different times and they came to Dubai. And I was actually born um, right after they got married and was raised in Dubai. So my whole childhood has been in Dubai and I have a little sibling, one brother. We have an age difference of five years between us and we are as thick and, uh, you know, uh, as thick as ever. Um, so growing up in Dubai meant a very sheltered, protective life. And at the same time, it was a very different Dubai from the time of today. We're talking about in the 80s and you know, it, it sh shopping malls were not the thing. Yeah, life is very sheltered, very protected. So I went to this CBSE school, the Indian High School. It's the world famous school in, in Dubai. You know, I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I went to that school and we had a very, uh, you know, academic focused life. So when I came home, the one thing that I loved doing was uh, indulging in art. And that's where the whole passion started from. Hmm. So the mm -hmm. art bug bit you right, right in the childhood. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Nice. And uh, so did you have any aspirations, you know, growing up? Did you, uh, did you have a clear idea of what you want to become, do something in art? So, such an actually very clearly you know, when I was in grade one, I had created this picture of a Christmas tree. It was just with felt pens. And I took it to the class 
And the whole class went gaga over it. Obviously, other kids liked the little picture. And that day, I was so happy with myself. I had decided I'm going to be an artist. Okay. Hmm. However, what happens is you grow up and you go through life and you realize at some point, especially in the 80s and 90s, um, people don't really take the these kind of routes. And uh, usually it's you want to be a doctor or an engineer or something in the professional field. So that's exactly what my parents coded me onto. They were very supportive of art, but hmm. only in terms of a hobby. Uh, I... Uh, on my part, I have to be very um, forthright and tell you, um, I was also not too sure myself. I mean, I could paint and draw, but, you know, to make a career out of it was something that I didn't know could be possible. So mm. I went as per, you know, I did the usual degree and went into life that way. So, but very clearly, I knew what I had to be even as a small child. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so you had you had the inclination towards art, but then you continued also in your academic uh, journey. And what yes. was that? So what what uh, stream did okay. you take? Yes. So in the eleventh grade, I took up arts, uh, humanities, and after mm -hmm. two years of humanities, went I did my commerce degree. I went into commerce. Um, so at that time, I wanted to go down to, because there's nothing in Dubai. Uh, at, they had Skyline College at the time, but did not teach fine arts at all. So I said, okay, I'll just do a commerce degree and get into the work field. And uh, I think by the second year of college itself, I had an offer from Emirates Airline and I joined Emirates. That was the beginning of a long 17 years in the travel field for me. Not at the same institute. I did yeah. Emirates, I did Hertz, different, but in, in the tra travel trade industries. I worked um, all sections and finally ended up in marketing, which happened to be the one closest to me because mm -hmm. uh, it's all creative and, you know, so that's uh, that's when I left, I was a great uh, client what is it marketing officer that's what i was hmm. so you were uh, you were working as a marketing officer and this was was it herds which company was this yes that's right yeah herds. i was okay. working as marketing officer in herds in 2009 i left okay and 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 what was what triggered you to leave herds well um in July of 2009, I was still working with Hertz as the marketing officer. In fact, in 2005, it was the time that I joined them as the marketing. Uh, it was not the officer when I joined. Hmm. And uh, um, I had just had a new baby in 2004. So she was literally one year old when I had joined the company. And... Um, I was enjoying my position. I really loved it. It was a challenging job. And we had an excellent management. We used to call it the golden era under a very visionary leader called uh, Bob Farrow. He was the general manager. <clears throat> now, in July, uh, I'm sorry, in 2008, uh, the management had completely changed. And we had a new management, a different way of dealing with things, lots of changes. Lots of people getting laid off and uh, stress levels were quite high. 
So in between all of this, in July of 2009, I went down to India, took a good one month holiday, and we had gone as a whole family, as in not just myself and my family, but even my brother and uh, his family. And we were all with my parents, had a fantastic holiday uh, back home, relaxing. So the kids enjoyed, the grandparents enjoyed, you know, one of those wholesome moments. And during that break, I was talking to my dad and uh, he mentioned to me, what is it that you're still chasing? Why do you still need this job? Or what do you want? Haven't you been there, done that and ticked all the boxes? Why don't you take some quality time out for your child, for the family? I mean, she's still so small. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that stayed in my head. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, okay, let me think about it. Let me give it a, a thought. I left it as that and we, we flew down. So, um, in just on August 1st, we had landed back in Dubai. And on August 11th, I get this horrible call at five in the morning uh, where I'm basically asked to take a flight and fly down to India. And nobody's saying anything. And we all know those calls are the worst things in the, that you can yeah. imagine. We know what that means, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I never thought I would be subject to something like that. But uh, yeah, I landed and dad uh, was no more. He had a massive cardiac arrest and uh, he had just disappeared from our lives forever, physically. And uh, it took me a very long time to recover from that. In fact, uh, it took me almost a year to come out of that whole episode because it was so traumatic. He was hale and hearty, he had no underlying conditions, and he looked very young as well, very robust and physically, you know. Yeah. So you don't expect such people to disappear. Yeah. And uh, and you had just spent like a good amount of time with him, and you know, it must have been devastating, right? Absolutely. It was just, I, I just felt like I should have stayed on more. You know, you want to undo all those things. So many regrets, like, why did I rush back? I could have spent more time. I could have done. But, I mean, you can't undo the past and you never thought that things would take this kind of a turn. But mm -hmm. I did. So, yeah. So, when I got back um, after the funeral in August itself of 2009, uh, my company had a very interesting surprise waiting for me I was handed oh, uh, along with the whole management the new management uh, they had uh, decided to lay off a whole team and I was one of them so it was like a double whammy so you had uh -huh. like a tragedy on the personal front and then this was the time they chose and they uh, laid off the whole, uh, you and your team yeah yeah it was really really but somehow um, but honestly speaking, uh, I felt like this was nothing. It's just a job and, you yeah. know, jobs come and go kind of a thing. But it was, I mean, when you think about it now, you're thinking, my God, wouldn't they have timed it better? 
<laughs> I mean, now I can laugh yeah. about it, but at the time it was just like, uh, you know, <laughs> but okay. I mean, yeah. I spent a relative amount of time there and I had some great precious memories. I had some great uh, moments and trophies and stuff from the company. So, yeah, anyway. To talk about the timing, right? But also think of it this way like when uh, just um, a few days back, uh, when you were with, with your dad, uh, I mean, when, you know, you, and your dad mentioned that exact thing, right? He told you, What are you still doing? Why are you still working there? And it's as if he could see what's coming in a way, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, uh, Sachin. I really felt that, yeah, it was like as if it was manifested into my life, you know, yeah, and that was a whole new turn, and I never went back to the corporate world again, I just said, this is it, Um, now I do my own thing, or I do nothing, (laughs) you know, because working for corporations is one thing, but you know, you're, uh, at the end of the end of your life, you want to have some meaning, some purpose, and uh, being the kind of person that I am, I definitely wanted to have a lot more of that in my life. And uh, that, that was the end of the journey for me with the corporate world. Mm. And so when you, um, you know, when this thing happened in August 2009, uh, did you immediately do something else? No, I just took a break. I decided that... Uh, from now on, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and it's very funny because you think that, um, you know, you work for so many years, now you can just put up your feet and, you know, live the retired life no matter what age you are, it doesn't matter. You can chill and enjoy. But within one month, I had <laughs> I had uh, everybody in the family going crazy. In fact, my husband was distributing my CV to everybody <laughs> because I was driving everyone in the house nuts. <laughs> well, you you had a small uh, baby, uh, right? Or how old was your daughter at this time? She's about five by that time. Four, four, four and a half, five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she was born in two thousand four, and by two thousand five is when I joined Hertz. So you know, she was really small when I had joined. So by the time I left, yeah. Um, anyway, so it was, it was just fun to take that break and then realize that uh, breaks are not all that you think that it can be, uh, that work keeps you going. It, you know, it makes you wake up every day in the morning and look forward to things happening in your life. Um, I can only do X amount of coffee mornings. It's just not me. <laughs> So um, uh, one of the things that happened was my two-year-old niece had started, um, was just starting her new journey in in the nursery, in a British nursery play school. Mm -hmm. So I went as a voluntary worker there just to help out and just to see how things work in a nursery. Within a short period of time, I realized this is so, such a different world from the world that I'm used to, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I did voluntary work for about four to five months. And then I and they wanted teachers, they wanted people to be in, the, in that uh, nursery. And then I said, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. 
um, and I started studying. So that was a complete shift because I went into education from travel. Yeah. So you started um, studying, studying what? Sorry. Studying. I, I did a cash course, which is a UK diploma to become a teacher so that you can teach all the way from kindergarten or from play school up to age 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a required qualification to be able to yes. uh, teach. Yes, yes. Okay. So, hmm. And uh, so th there was this period of like five, six months. There was a drop in the income of the household, right? Did that? Uh, Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. There was a definite drop. So things had to change, you know, things had to change quite a bit. Um, so once I made this decision, uh, I had this clear-cut plan, like a clear-cut conversation with my husband, as in, this is what I'm going to do with my life henceforth, and we'll see how things move. So we had to cut down on uh, the extras. Otherwise, see, the whole point of working for so many years and saving and still being in the rat race was just more and more and more right yeah um so then i just decided can we do with what i mean our standard of living did not change in any way except for the extras that needed to be um removed weeded mm. out kind of okay and then you managed to uh you know continue the way things were but it's just that extras were uh, out and uh, you were yeah. you were okay yeah we were okay we mm. were definitely okay uh, but I'm sure you know this is my perspective of being okay you know when an additional income completely ceases it's a whole different ball game right yeah so when I took on the teaching job which was very comparatively it was a very different pay scale and things like that but the minute you did your qualification it was a British nursery so you could work your way, you know, through. So mm. I ended up doing a, a like, so taking care of, so I was studying and at the same time, um, having my own car vehicle, I picked up a new vehicle during that time as well, um, managing my EMI and all of that stuff, you know. Mm. And um, this, uh, what happened was during the school training, uh, what I was teaching was play school. I was not teaching them science and English and history or anything of the sort. I was teaching them how to paint, how to draw, how to express yourself. And then you have a little bit of show and tell, a lot of creative outlets. I realized at this place how uh, art can be used as a commercial venture. Till then, it was just a hobby for me. Mm. So that is where I felt, you know, I could make that connect with art being a hobby versus art being something that I could actually turn into a profession. Right. So this is the ikigai that they say, right? Where, you know, what you're good at, what the world wants, what can make you money. And <laughs> this was your combination of all three of those. Absolutely, absolutely. All your life, you've got it within you, but the whole world tells you, hey, it's not going to happen. You know, these are things, it's all good as a hobby, but how can you make money out of it? You know, mm. that was there. And that finally began to change when I joined this industry. 
So at this point, you're still, uh, you know, you're teaching there and you're uh, teaching, uh, you you have a job and this job is something that is connected to the, the, the passion of your life, which is art. Yes, correct. Hmm. Uh, but I also want to tell you, hmm. see, uh, once a leader, always a leader, right, Sachin? Absolutely. <laughs> so I joined as a teacher, a kindergarten teacher, teaching these students. But once I got into the staff meetings and uh, everything, I realized, honestly, after doing, seven, I shouldn't say this, but after doing 17 years of retail travel trade, um, corporate business and then moving into education it suddenly became like teddy bear's picnic okay <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that this is how the education industry uh, you know carries itself forward this is what they do and how it is and there were so many things that needed to be corrected and with with the expertise that I had right so mm. I got into uh, leadership at school and very quickly grew. So I reached um, within a span of four years, I was suddenly not teaching. I taught in the first two years and then I was leading the entire organization. So I literally stepped into the head teacher's role where I was just having people under me. And, you know, so I went from, even though I was happy with the creative aspect, I went back to square one and started doing all of those things. And the initial plan, yeah. Hmm. So I guess that that's what happens, right? When you're a leader, you just automatically rise to that role. Absolutely. And it's like you're, you're coming with, with 17 years of experience and the expertise and you're, you, you almost feel uh, obligated to, you know, to contribute and uh, make a difference <laughs> there, right? And you do that and you couldn't stop yourself from, uh, you know, uh, making that place a better place by, uh, by leading, and and then you lose connection with art again. Yeah. So then what happens is, yeah. Now I'm doing the. So you cannot mix these two fields because when you, as a teacher with the children, that's one whole different world. It's like an imaginary world of, you know, a beautiful world. And then you have the leadership where you're dealing with parents as customers and clients, and you're dealing with your staff and, you know, the whole uh, proper management job, right? So there were two aspects that I got exposed to when I was there. So the initial plan was right after I leave the nursery, I will be setting up my own nursery because I know A to Z what to do and I am qualified. And I by then I had done cash level five, which is a second diploma, which qualifies you to run your own nursery. Hmm. So that was the next plan. So then I went into, so at this point, I started pitching to investors, okay? There were two, three pitches that I had made to investors uh, independently. And I nearly signed up with a partner as well. Hmm. Uh, we've, one of my classmates from school times, she was also doing something similar. She was in the education field for, a lo- for as long as I was in the corporate field. So we teamed up together and we decided, okay, we'll start our own nursery. And right just before that, uh, I mean, that when we were having this entire thing, I realized that it's very labor intensive. Running a nursery is extremely labor intensive. 
that means huge amount of capital, huge amount of, you know, so the stakes are very, very high. Hmm. Uh, and then I had to re reassess, am I ready for a move like that? Because uh, being self-employed is one thing, but to have 30 staff uh, doing different things and to manage that whole of whole thing. And uh, I mean, it's all childcare and safety and risk assessment, right? Yeah. So thought about it very seriously. And uh, I decided to put a pause on it. Um, and from there, I, uh, yeah, decided, okay, I, I mean, it, it's because starting a business is not a very, uh, it's something that you want to do, but can you do it? Do you have the skills? Do you have the expertise? Do you have the funds? All of that have to come into the play, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I put that on pause and mm. I teamed up with two other two uh, others one of them being robert devota uh, our favorite robert yeah robert <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and ajay is another person who is also a toastmaster mm. and uh, we started garv which is a soft care uh, soft skills uh, consultancy mm. so what i brought to the table was creativity the fact that i can do a lot of presentations and courses and the three of us together, we would come up with packages and we would actually go ahead and speak to corporations. Ajay was the salesperson out and out. Okay. And he did the sourcing of business and we walked together and we wrapped it up and did our presentations. That's how it worked the first year. Okay, so you had the, the right combination uh, you know, in place you had you brought in the creativity side. Ajay brought in the um, the sales side. Sales. And, yeah. Yeah. And then Robert Ro Robert is magic in himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Robert and I we just did all our things together, and Ajay was the binding factor, and that's it. We just you know, so that was my first step into uh, moving into business as such. Hmm. And how did you fund that? Because in the initial one, when you wanted to start the nursery, you you pitched to uh, investors, and uh, but then that didn't go like you didn't finalize that. Yes. And now, for to how did you fund this one? Uh, this took out from savings. All three of us, because we were three of us, and I I think it was in Pajera free zone free zone area so we came up with a budget that was okay with the three of us we split the costs and I actually used my savings to go ahead it was not a steep amount it was hmm. you know okay and hence it worked out okay and the first year we managed to get a few clients who quite we were doing quite okay um, within one and a half year I had the move here so I had to actually pull out and come to Bahrain. Okay, okay. And so when you move to Bahrain, um, mm -hmm. so now again, it's a, you know, you're, you're in a new place. You're- Back uh, to square one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. And uh, but by the way, all this while, when, you know, all these things were happening, your job and, your, uh, and, and the things, uh, did you, get time did you sometimes you know take out time for yourself and did you continue your painting uh, hobby 
Yes, uh, I in between when there was this, you see, uh, the teaching job was excellent because it was like a like for a corporate person, it was like a half day job because I left at seven thirty and I was home by one. You know. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So I'd get home, uh, have lunch with the kids, and then the rest of the day is free. So I would do a lot of activities. That is when you know it was uh, what to do next. The plans came. So I did uh, do art workshops for children in a place very close to my house called Aura. So we, you know, indulged in little, little things for little children and just started. These were so small baby steps that I was learning from school and applying here on my own. Oh, okay. So you were doing also something on the side then. Uh, so Aura was, was it a job or was it just volunteering for uh, to teach um, the children there? I was doing workshops at Aura where uh, I, I was running the entire thing, but it was it was a center where they taught Vedic maths and uh, abacus and things like that. So I went up to the two ladies who were running it and I told them, I'd like to, um, you're developing the left side of the brain. How about we develop the children's right side of the brain? And wow. that conversation, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they were quite happy with me and we started on that note. Actually, my daughter started doing Vedic math there. That's how the connection started, you know. Okay, so you, so your daughter was going there and then you uh, went and um, you know, pitched in your idea. And yes. how, was their, how was their response? They were very, very, there were two people that I vibed well with. There was a good connect, there was good communication and I felt like, these are people that I could talk to. And hence, I made that pitch. And they were very positive. They said, okay, sure, why not? Let's see how it goes. So I taught a little bit of public speaking. I taught a little bit of creative writing. And I taught a little bit of art there. So these were all areas where I was actually doing a rehearsal, putting products together, and running these little, you know, like six children, eight children, small groups. Mm. But we kept them regularly going. So when I was, uh, you know, when with Garb also, I told them I could do these kind of things, create a workshops on a larger scale, maybe for adults, you know, things like that. Um, mm. and yeah, so those were the ideas. That's how it worked. Wow. So when you come to Bahrain, you're, uh, you're coming with this rich experience of the corporate world and experience of, in the education sector, the art sector, you've got all of this. And... And then what were your thoughts when you were in Bahrain? Okay. So the first year, like, like I said, I, I had no intention of going back to the employment uh, field. So mm. I said, uh, this time I've got to do this. And uh, I had, by now I knew that it's quite, quite challenging to do it on your own. So especially, and Bahrain in a lot of ways, I mean, when you look at the terrain, it's very similar to Dubai. So I felt at home, very much at home, just mm. like, uh, I felt initially like this reminded me of the Dubai of the 80s and 90s. So it's very laid back, simple, uh, very culturally uh, rich. Yeah, so one of the things uh, when I discussed it with my husband, he said there was a, a person that he knew, a good friend of him, his, who was also wanting to launch into business. So he was working in Kuwait and uh, since he was a good friend, he said, why don't you both team up together and see uh, what skills you can, uh, you know, simultaneously or uh, rather promote together. I mm -hmm. said, okay. 
So the the name of my business is created, right? Yeah. But the history behind it is actually not created. It's create IT. Okay. And I'll tell you why IT. Create mm -hmm. relates to me, which is all the creativity aspect. And IT is what my partner who started this company with uh, belonged to. He was in the travel trade, but he handles software solutions and things like that. So we said, okay, you help me, I help you. We'll, we'll work together and we'll build this company together and let's see where it takes us. So that's how we registered the company. Um, about um, under the license, you have three, four things that you can do and it fit in. So you had the marketing of arts and cultural activities and you had software skills that you could market as well under our license. So that way, Pradeep, who was my partner then, the two of yeah. us together started this. So that is the history behind create it being, you know, create IT. Create IT. Uh -huh. So mm -hmm. it, it was a combination of creativity and uh, IT. Yes. Nice. It's, it's completely two different sections, but we were like exploring what, because I felt it was quite difficult to do it alone. You needed one person to sort of bounce off your ideas with, uh, you know, to pull you up when you're going down, et cetera, et cetera. So it just felt better when we were a team. Mm. And so what was your plan that, you know, what would the company do and, uh, you know, the, the products and things like that? All right. So um, um, I would go for uh, calls, sales calls with Pradeep to the industry, the travel industry, because I understood travel very well, right? So yeah. I would support him whenever he would put in his pitches for different things. And uh, at the same time, when I'm running a public speaking workshop for children, he would be my backup person. He would be there helping with the props, helping with the entire system, you know, everything. So we worked quite well together. Uh, the only issue what happened was at some point, uh, just before the pandemic, he realized that the IT part of it is not really happening. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, this, so I think it was uh, not everybody can do or run a business. The mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset is very different. When you're used to being the boss for a very, very long time, uh, but um, in, in a very structured environment where you know what to delegate to your team and you have a few instructions that you carry on, um, is very different from starting from scratch and building it upwards. Hmm. Um, so with Pradeep, he said, you know, business is not for me. I don't think this is my area. And he said, uh, unfortunately, I think I'll take leave. And so we had to part ways. Oh, so when when this happens, right? When So you, yeah. you and Pradeep were partners in the business and he decided to move out. So was there... Yes. Uh, a financial transaction involved there? Like, did he, in, uh, because he had invested some uh, money uh, maybe into the business, right? He, Correct, um, yes. Okay. So, so, so you had to buy his shares in a way? And Yes, absolutely. I had to buy shares because there was no other option. Um, yeah. You know, after this, I was like, no, I'm not going to go ahead and look for another partner or anything. I had to do it alone. 
uh, you know, I, I remember this distinct conversation with my brother uh, where he said, listen, you are a 40 something woman. If you are not able to do this on your own, you know, get up in the morning and just make it happen then it's not meant for you. So you decide, you want to do it or you don't want to do it. Don't wait, sit around waiting for somebody to help you, handhold you. Then I said, okay, this is it. <laughs> My brother has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's it. I, I bought his shares. Mm. Uh, and then I said, I'm going to do it no matter what. Mm. So... Pradeep was facing, you know, challenges in terms of the, the, he realized that his way of working, his personality didn't really uh, went well with the, with the whole process of uh, entrepreneurship. What about you? Yes. Did you have any challenges uh, in the early stages of your business? See, challenges were plenty, but I never had uh, issues of, how to run the business or what to do. I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and how to do it. Uh, and I, I went around doing that. But the, the challenges that I would have faced is you're literally starting with a blank canvas. So you can, you know, you can make it nice and rich, but how? Like, so step by step, it has to grow organically. And at some point, um, uh, social conditioning is such that you wonder, uh, you know, like I'm an art teacher and I, I, you know, like you, you are trying to make a business at the same time on one side, you're an art teacher. So mm. how are the two things merging? So you have these contradictions in your own head. Okay. Those are the only things. So yeah. um, like I did public speaking classes once again, you know, I tried to take all the skills that I had and launch them one by one. Hmm. And how yes. how were you uh, doing this? So, like, you how were you getting your clients? Would you go and um, identify certain companies and go and uh, you know talk to them? How how was that? Right. Mm. Okay. So, um, although now I can tell you, um, it, it fell into place kind of step by step, baby steps, and very organically. Okay. So uh, the company is called Created, and I started all the, I mapped it out on a mind map one fine day. I said, okay, I can draw, and that is one skill, which is Illustrate. So I had a branch, which is called Illustrate, and all my artworks come under that. I'm just letting you know the hmm. structure, and then I'll yeah. tell you how I source the clients. So under Illustrate, it's everything art. Uh, then I had Ignite. Ignite is Ignite the Speaker Within. So it's all about public speaking. Then I had something called Inkplot. Inkplot is all about writing. So it's the pen. So whether it's poetry, whether it's creative writing workshops, all of that would come under that. And then you have Improvise, which is completely unscripted theater, improv. So these four things I put down on paper and I started making little branches as to under each of them, what like under Ignite, I could do classes for children. I could do classes for adults. Under Illustrate, I could do oil. I could do uh, acrylics. I could do pencil. You know, so many different mediums and so many uh, different things. So these were my plans in theory. And I set... Uh, 
So I started connecting with the people locally. Um, first, obviously, when it came to, I'm a Toastmaster, been a Toastmaster for almost two decades. And because of that, um, I started the Toastmasters here as well. I ran a YLP and after the YLP, um, a lot of people um, came to know about me. And then I said, okay, I do have Ignite. And that's where I initially started my uh, speaking classes for public speaking classes for the children. And it went into the adults saying, hey, do you also do art? Yes, I do. And then, you know, so one led to the other. It's all connecting the dots at the yeah. end of it. And I'm growing organically. Um, Saira, you mentioned uh, YLP. So for those of you who don't know, oh, yes. what is it? Okay, it's a what youth leadership program. <laughs> Sorry, youth leadership program. It is a fantastic program for children to learn uh, the skills of public speaking in a matter of two months, eight weeks almost. And uh, most Toastmasters run these workshops and it's great bonus for the Toastmasters who run it for their clubs. We get additional funds and uh, additional um, and we give a lot of value to the children who are learning these skills. So mm. that that was one of the ways that I had started because I knew nobody here, so I had to start somewhere. <laughs> right. So you, uh, when you were in Bahrain, when um, when you were in Dubai, you were in the Toastmasters community here, and when you moved to Bahrain, you went and joined the club there. Yes, I, I had decided 100%. You know, yeah. Once a Toastmaster, I think the Toastmaster for life kind of. Absolutely. But uh, when I came here, I was, uh, I mean, a lot of people knew me already. So I was welcomed with open arms and it was just beautiful to be part of the network all over again. Nice. And uh, this is, uh, I'd like to also, you know, uh, highlight to the listeners that Toastmasters, this is uh, apart from public speaking, and leadership skills. This is another huge benefit that Toastmasters brings in, which is networking. We are networking with people from different walks of life and uh, that opens doors, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, it's a brilliant organization and uh, I mean, it's worldwide. So anywhere you go, you always have that welcome. So that, that's great in terms of networking, connectivity, and it's a community that holds nobody back. It, you know, accepts everybody. So it's, it's a brilliant uh, organization. Yeah. So then you have these uh, four, uh, on mind map, you, you created the, uh, you know, you kind of put your thoughts out on, on paper, on system though, but uh, illustrate, ignite, ink plot and improvise and you started working on each of these um, elements and creating packages right it's like a it's like a, almost like a product that you're uh, creating and you're selling to to the clients yes absolutely awesome you remember the, all of them so well that's great yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this is how I started. And then, so 2019, September is when I signed the dotted line and I started doing the works and, you know, things like that. Hmm. And you know what happened next, right? 2020? Yep. COVID. <laughs> yes. 
So Pradeep was very, very smart in making that call because then, you know, it was just before the pandemic that he had left. Oh. Um, yes, just before, I think it was brilliant on his part that he, he made that move. I, I guess, you know, we're all helped in our own ways. This is what happens. Um, so the pandemic hit and I was like, I cannot believe this. I've signed up for a, an office for a whole year and I have rents, I have expenses and here I am. Now what? Wow. So like every other uh, business that, you know, suddenly meets with a challenge or, I mean, all of us went through the pandemic, everything from uh from my Ignite the Speaker in You to Illustrate had to go online. I had to learn how to teach people how to paint and talk and write on a screen. Hmm. So how, how was that transition? Did you like have a whiteboard behind you and then you would things drew that? Because a lot of, lot of people started like that, right? They would teach things on the whiteboard and then have a Zoom you have a camera focused on the whiteboard? Right. I did not have a whiteboard, but what I did was, uh, you know, it would be like as if you have a canvas in front of you, of you, and I have a canvas. I have uh, just me here guiding you on, on, on the screen. So what I would do is I would share my screen and tell you, okay, this is your picture. This is what we are looking at. Let's go, go ahead and put red here blue here, green here, whatever it is. And I tell you what strokes to do. And then I look at your actual picture. So it was a, a live interaction, mm. looking at their work and uh, getting my feedback. So it, it would be sharing of screens and pictures and uh, actual teaching. Wow. And was this like one-on-one -on -one or was it a big group? Okay, so initially I had to run a few free uh, workshops because even I was learning. So mm. I needed to get my head around this entire thing. It took me a good three months to understand because when, when somebody's painting in front of you, you can just tell them, hey, this stroke here and move it this way, you know? Um, yeah. um, but that was not physically possible for me. So it was very difficult to get the hang of left side, right side, that, this, all the different elements of it. So I ran a few workshops where students would uh, come online. Everybody was inside their houses. So I had a captive audience. So it definitely had uh, four or five students in one, one go. And every class was about one to two hours. Hmm. So, yeah, so I did quite a bit of that. Within three months, I knew how to do an entire oil painting, portrait painting online, and I had mastered it. And then we started putting them out on a fee. Wow. And that, that's the uh, Illustrate part. So you kind of put Illustrate online now and you're, you're able to, uh, you're back in the business in a way, right? J j starting to generate yeah. revenue out of it. Correct. Mm. And uh, as, as with Toastmasters Ignite 2, we started doing public speaking online. Improvises again theater. It's a lot of fun and people, kids were coming together, uh, creative writing workshops, everything went online. So, but it, it, you know, it was the first three months that was like, 
it it suddenly like nothing made sense my gosh and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah it happened and um, even though we have an office there's nothing that i could do about it and in in bahrain if you are running a business you need to have a physical office in terms of your license it can be virtual or physical in my case it was a physical office so there's nothing that i could you know change about that yeah so you had to pay the rent and did you also have anyone uh, any employees with you at that time no not at the time thankfully okay. it was just myself yeah. yeah it was myself and we are a team of three of us in house so it's me and my two daughters Ah, so okay. Yes. <laughs> so created is uh, is our brainchild. Even though it's uh, I'm I'm running it. Kavya mm. and Kirtna are both part of created. Wow. So they also uh, I'm sure they paint, right? Yeah, they they do their own individual areas of uh, art. Like mm. Kirtna is into she teaches. digital art and everything to do with characters and animation all of that um kavya wow. does a lot to do with the ink plot part of it she is she is a poet come writer so she is mostly in involved with activities to do with ink plot and she is also a watercolor artist wow and i do the rest <laughs> <laughs> so this is like an you know artist a family of artists completely right <laughs> we all got our left side <laughs> you know <laughs> mm. yeah so the right side And is like behind so you 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 mentioned that uh, ketna your daughter uh, is into the digital art and uh, so she's uh, under illustrate she's doing uh, is is that also come does that also come under uh, illustrate for you the uh digital arts yes it does mm. so this is like taking art to the next level uh in the in the context of the current uh generation the current environment right so where where do you see like going forward i mean uh, created uh you know 10 years from now what what would you call like at at what point would you say successful uh and this is you know this is this milestone if i hit this is success created is has you know has reached um i think we are at that stage where we are scaling up at the moment so scaling up is happening uh it is a process and it it has to uh, i mean there are various levels of scaling up and that's where we are going towards i would in my mind right now illustrate ignite like illustrate is full fledged it's got quite a few workshops regularly running uh, sip and paints that happen every month twice and that brings a lot of people together uh, sip and paint for those of you who do not know what it is it's basically uh, anybody can who doesn't know anything about art can join a sip and paint and you just come there to the venue we'll provide you all the materials you sit down paint enjoy yourself and sip your drink now it could be a coffee or a tea it could be a, a beverage a cold beverage in the evenings whatever it is enjoy and uh, uh, that that's the whole relaxed atmosphere for a, a newbie so 
Illustrate is working quite well. So is Ignite and Improvise. In the future, I would like to have something called Indulge, which is to do with food, fitness, and travel. So once all of those products are launched as well, it will be like, okay. Wow. Made it. <laughs> <laughs> Sip and paint. Sip and paint sounds yeah. very interesting. Are you saying that someone like me can actually paint because I can't draw a line straight. <laughs> this is my clientele. This is my clientele. I don't want, I mean, we're okay with artists coming on board, but people who say I can't draw a line, those are the people we are tapping into, you know, because uh, the whole idea is uh, everybody can do it. It's just a question of techniques, right? Hmm. I, I never thought of art as um, something that can be learned and completely, you know, uh, that uh, I've always seen as artist as you're, you're an artist, you're born an artist. It, you have it in you, in your genes, and you just, just uh, you know, do it. Uh, but looks like I'm totally wrong because you are teaching art there and, uh, you know, people who, who any, any experience that you, like, that you remember where someone who was was not really good at art and, and uh, you know transformed honestly section this is how a large majority of the people think huh? that it is something that you're born with but it isn't and that is exactly what we are doing out here so our vision is for every person at one point in their life to try it out, to try holding a paintbrush in their hands and under directional activities. It's just a directional activity, which applying the right tips and techniques will get you that picture in front. And I have so many, not just one or two or three, so many people who come to me is like, I cannot believe I just did that, you know? So, wow. uh, how we do it is is we invite people for these sip and paints because it's sip and paint is not intimidating you know when i say okay let's paint a portrait it's it's quite a big step for a lot of people it's like Haha, are you kidding me you know yeah but what they generally do for a sip and paint like i said anything it could be once like last week i taught a wave an ocean wave okay mm. and Everybody in the class, there were about 12 of us. Everybody just did. I said, okay, let's do this. Let's put blue here. And they would all put blue there. So it's just following those directions. By the end of two hours, the whole group has bonded over the entire activity. They've talked to each other, laughed at each other, and said, oh, is this correct? Is this wrong? Is this funny? Uh, um, you know, and all of this, and this is over a cup of a coffee or a glass of wine or whatever you may have and enjoy uh, the experience is so fulfilling by the time they finish they're like hey i think i can do this let's see if, if i can sign up for something else you know yeah. so is and, uh, uh, is this happening at your like you know in, in a cafe or you uh, you have your own place where you uh, create this environment yeah, so we do have, we, ha we have a studio in which we work. Uh, we can accommodate up to eight people. And
and yeah. anything over eight people we rent venues and we can have them at the moment we are at a, a co-working space which is beautiful it's right next to the bay so it's in Bahrain Bay and so you're overlooking that sea and you can that's why we we decided to do the uh, you know the wave as a first start so yeah. overlooking that environment and painting something like that wow and there is another point you mentioned about when uh, you know when all those people coming together and trying to do something uh, they are not very sure but it's a relaxed environment so they, and they have instructions so they they do and it creates bonding right between among them yes uh, i i remember in one of the like just you know corporate sessions uh, this was like uh, asked a, a room full of um, corporate people that uh, okay everybody draw a cat that's all the instructions we have just draw a cat and then we would you know put put up their cats and everybody had a different idea of what a cat you know how to draw a cat and that became and then you write your name or you know uh, write your name under it that became a great bonding exercise between them and people would talk about the cats years later <laughs> Yes, we've done these. Absolutely, this is brilliant, Sachin. I love this. We've um, when people say, "Okay, let's have a team building activity," I said, "This is a team bonding activity," and we've actually done it here for uh, the Bahrain International Circuit. Yeah. So there's quite a few corporates who've who've actually joined us with these kind of activities, and uh, it's been brilliant because you will have that one particular person in management who has some kind of uh, uh, you know partiality for the arts and like who would have wanted to be doing some kind of art in their life and that particular person is the one that you need and once they say okay let's try this that's it we we are on the go you know yeah <laughs> and uh Saira, when you when you have offer all these services all these products right how do you know how to price them? Okay, just like um, most things, you do a market research. So that's what I did when I came to Bahrain. I actually checked out other artists' venues. I went to their workshops. In fact, I uh, I had met one of the artists, and I said, "See, I am an artist, and I would like to do a, a course with you and see, you know, how things are." And she was very welcoming and she said, okay, sure. So I signed up to that and I knew exactly what she was pricing it at and how she was going about things. So those are the kind of things uh, you, you've got to do, your market research. And in, in Bahrain, uh, there's a thriving art community. There's a huge market of artists and more so on Instagram, but there's yeah. a lot happening. So that's how I went about pricing initially, but uh, you're never too sure on how things are. And once you start feeling the waters by putting your, you know, dipping yourself into the water and just doing it, then you get the, you know, feel. And especially yeah. when it comes to art, um, it's it's not like you you cannot uh, downplay because it it's not a want to have or it's mm. not a need to have it's a want to have right yeah yeah so that there's a big difference so you sell it at this rate and you sell it at that rate that's it 
and mm. those who would like to take it on would like to take it on otherwise you can't because I, I don't really I've never ever uh, thought about discounts and things like that and it's never happened and it, I don't think it'll ever go that route yeah. it just becomes a different market then yeah that's interesting because when you uh, when you do not uh, leave any room for bargaining and discounts and all that you're creating an, a niche uh, you know uh, and your your value so that's the connection between price and value right where do you where do you value this yes absolutely um, i've noticed that the people who actually source art out uh, have certain uh, things in their mind like it could be it could be other entrepreneurs who want to de-stress, who want to just, you know, um, they want an outlet to express themselves. So these are the kind of people that I am catering to. And then there's a whole set of students. So I think it's very important for us to find out the different uh, brackets that we are audiences that you're looking at and mm. accordingly price your packages, uh, whatever they are. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's been quite a journey, right? And thinking of, you know, when you started from, uh, you know, with your job at Emirates to all the way to create it, the, you know, where you are. When you look at this, look back at this journey, is there, like, if you were to give credit to just one person or one thing, would, would that be possible to credit your success to something or someone? That's a really tough question. <laughs> army of people. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. It's the yes. same thing. It's the same thing. I, it's impossible to pick one person. But there's so many people who stood behind me for this. Uh, you, you know, there are times when you're almost given, you're like, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> but it happens. and. I think that is the beauty of the whole, I, I've always told some of my closest friends, one day I'll stand on stage, just like the Oscar award ceremony and say, I dedicate this to you, 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 and you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from, from, I mean, if I were to name a few people from the time that my brother told me, get it together, lady, from yeah. that, my husband who supported me in terms of finances he was the one when we came to Bahrain he was the one who funded it you know mm. so without that funding it would not have happened then the people that I met in Bahrain there, there are some of them that I have managed uh, when I met and connected and we had such wonderful friendships and they've referred uh, word of mouth is the best right Word of the mouth is the way that businesses thrive and move forward. Yeah. So it takes an entire army to thank. <laughs> so so yeah. grateful. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's as if like um, you know there were like so many angels on the way, right? You just they, some took you from one place to another, and then some, and then it kept kept going. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there there's. Like sometimes I, I, I should really write and document this entire process. It's, I think we only get in our own way, you know, to not do it. And, and you know, one more thing, Sachin, 
quotes suddenly start making a lot more sense when you're in the business world. <laughs> All these different quotes about hanging yeah. in there, you know, it, it's a whole different perspective. You really understand what failure means and what not give up means. <laughs> it's as if, so looks like, you know, when, when you were um, earlier, when you were reading these quotes, these were there in the back of your mind. These were kind of somewhere getting registered in the back of your mind. And at the time of the need, these would pop up, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And then you go like, yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely. They definitely pop up. They, they fall in place at the right time, you know? Yeah. Sarah, one final question. Um, mm -hmm. For those who are uh, who are interested in doing something in art, and they're you know they're working working in let's say in a corporate job, and uh, have this idea in mind to start out, what would your advice be to them? Uh, I would I would tell them if if that is what uh, is your calling, hundred percent you should do it. Right one. Second thing is, please uh, research completely how it can be done. As in, uh, when you're when you're taking those first steps, just those first steps are the most important thing. Those baby steps will lead you from one to two to three, three to four, and then you go forward. And in today's times, you can make an entire career out of it. And there are these recorded courses that we do, which earns you money while you sleep. So do not think at any point that being an artist or teaching art uh, will not help you have a thriving career. It's very important to believe in it and go. It will be tough, but there is so many options to do it in so many different ways. Wow. Yeah, that's very, very profound, really. So go for it. Do your research. <laughs> Before you jump into it but uh, take baby steps and keep growing and art can be commercialized I mean, there is nothing wrong with commercializing it right yeah no not at all i mean it, it's it's teaching art is bringing joy to the world it, it's a thing it's such a beautiful thing to be able to observe you know um, see things that other people cannot see even though it's right in front of you yeah <laughs> And then that's what you mean by bringing art to life, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wish I had received this advice from someone way, way before that I could do, uh, you know, have it as a successful career. Um, that's why I would encourage anybody who has a pension towards arts to do it. Well, it has been a fantastic hour talking to you, Saira. You're always fun. That's Saira Ranch, artist and founder of Created. If you want to get in touch with Saira, her number is plus 973-3912-4300. That's plus 973 3912-4300 or you can write to her at 
saira.ranj at gmail.com. That's S-A-I-R-A dot R-A-N-J at gmail.com.